This is Chicago's game day. Deep to left field, and it is there and gone. Deep left center. Game over. Cubs win. Cubs win. Chicago's game day. He is at the wall. He leaps. He caught it. He caught it. Alvarez. It's a triple play for the Sox. Bases loaded. Bases clean. Chicago's game day only on ESPN 1000 at ESPNChicago.com. Good morning, everyone. Fred Huebner with you here on ESPN 1000. I know there's soccer going on. Me, Mr. Soccer. So I've got the Women's World Cup on, but I will be talking plenty of baseball. Probably get into a little bit of NBA because I am NBA stupid. And I was listening to Black and Abdallah and some of the phone callers earlier. So we may get to you guys in a little bit about should the Bulls be interested in Russell Westbrook. So we'll get to that in a little bit, maybe around um, 1030. But it is the Crosstown Series, the Crosstown Classic, the White Sox and the Cubs. They wrap it up today on the south side after yesterday's game. 312-332-3776. Jesse Rogers will join us an hour from now. He was at the game last night. He'll be there again this afternoon. We've got the starting lineups. We'll hit those in just a little bit as it'll be Ivan Nova going against Kyle Hendricks. Cubs trying to win the series, the best of four. They have won two of the first three after last night's 6-3 to three game. As a White Sox fan, the people that listen, they know I'm a White Sox fan, okay? As a White Sox fan, losing to the Cubs is bad enough, Okay. But giving the game to the Cubs and then looking at Twitter and saying, oh, we got all over Giolito. Okay, well, I thought you attempted to know the game. He walked the ballpark. He walked the ballpark in the fifth inning. Gave up a run in the first, pitched great in the second, third, and fourth innings, and then walked the seventh, eighth, and ninth guys in the order. Robel Garcia, starting his second game in the big leagues, David Bodie and Addison Russell. He walks the bases loaded. And then, then what happens? Then it was unbelievable because you get a little hit. And I mean, it, it's such a little hit that they didn't even know it was a base hit. On Fox, they tried to talk about it and break it down. Another one, two. Bryant hooks this one in the air. And then, as I think, lost it in the sun. And it'll drop. Baez. Got a great read on it, and he'll score, and the Cubs lead one to nothing. Okay, that so was the, the elements coming into play here in the first inning. Yeah, the elements are coming to play here in the studio, too, as the sun is so bright in the studio that me seeing my screen is difficult. That was when the Cubs took the run lead in the first inning uh, off of Giolito, the run he gave up. It was one to one until Giolito lost all control of everything and walked the bases loaded in the fifth inning. Then. This is what I was looking for. Kyle Schwarber. He couldn't find it. Didn't know where it was. The 2-1. That one stripped and it'll drop. And two runs will score. Garcia and Bodie. Schwarber on his way to second. He's safe with a blue double. Now, all I can tell you is, and I heard this on the way in on a repeat, I heard one of the radio broadcasters in town saying, Schwarber, line drive to left. Okay. That was anything but a line drive. That was a ball that was popped up 
over the third baseman's head. Moncada, actually, if he got a good break on it, could have caught the ball. It went over his head. It's a double, two runs scored. Baez rips a ball past Moncada, two more runs score, and the Cubs break it open with a five-run fifth inning. Lucas Giolito was really bad, but even Schwarber said afterwards, he goes, I didn't know where the heck it went. <laughs> I didn't even know where it went. Uh, you know, I hit it. I heard, I was looking around, I couldn't find it, and I heard people yelling. I'm like, oh, man, I like just hit a little number. It's going to be a triple play or something. Like, <laughs> I looked, and I finally found it. It dropped over. So uh, it was, was uh, pretty fortunate there. And, yeah, very fortunate for the Cubs and for Kyle Schwarber that I mentioned. Baez with the double, and then that was enough for Ricky Renteria to see as he pulled. Um, he made the move and pulled out um, Lucas Giolito at that point. Then he brought in Evan Marshall, who's been pitching well. He walked Bryant, gave up an RBI single to Rizzo, and then walked Contreras before he had to leave. And then Jace Fry came in, pitched really well after that. The White Sox bullpen, for, to be honest with you, White Sox bullpen, five innings allowing three hits, no runs, uh, four walks, and three strikeouts. They kept the White Sox in the game, giving them an opportunity to win uh, or at least get back into the contest. The Sox scored two in the seventh, but not enough. And then Craig Kimbrell came in, made it interesting. Cub fans, what are your thoughts on K- Craig Kimbrell so far? I know he's probably a little rusty. He did strike out the side. He hit Tilson. He walked Moncada. Made it interesting with a couple of runners on, but Abreu strikes out, uh, loses the ball, doesn't know it goes back to the screen, uh, hesitates, then trots on down to first, gets thrown out, game over. Cubs win it six to three. And for the Cubs, it's their first back to back road wins. Um, since a five-game winning streak back in April, April 27th to May 14th on the road. They had a five-game road winning streak. Uh, they're 6-15 and 15 in the last 21 road games. But for them, going into the break, this is a huge game for them. This is a big game today for the White Sox. We'll get to that. We'll get to the lineups and all that stuff. But first, Lucas Giolito, what the heck happened? Yeah, great stuff. First four, yeah, I felt good. Got out of sync and I didn't correct it. What happened? Was it a release point thing or balance, or how did you kind of size that up? I don't know yet. I'll have to look at it. Uh, most likely flying open at the front side. Uh, my slider went away, got away got away from me. I didn't throw any quality yeah. sliders that inning. Um, yeah, I just got out of sync and I didn't make make a correction at all. You've been able to do that this year, though, kind of mm-hmm. regroup and get back on track. Right? Yeah, yeah. For some reason, just didn't work. Uh, didn't work out for me that inning. You've talked so much about about bouncing back and getting rid of the bad stuff. And, I mean, I know you got the break coming up, but are you confident that that's going to be able to, to carry over to your next start whenever that is? Yeah, I'm not I'm not worried about, like, my year or anything. Uh, I'm very frustrated with this game, clearly. I mean, the loss is on me. It's all on me. Uh, just uh, it was one, one inning where I got out of sync and I couldn't correct it. And they, they took advantage. I walked three and then a little, you know, Base hit over third baseman's head. Uh, you know, that's that's it. When you're in that moment, do you try pretty much everything you can to try and get back in sync? Um, usually, when you try harder, it makes it worse. I probably did that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't have I don't have a great explanation right now. I'm gonna have to look at it. Well, we looked at it. We had to sit and watch it, and it was brutal. Um, I I tweeted out after he walked Russell to load the bases. I said, usually when you walk the seventh, eighth, and nine guys in an order with nobody out to lead off an inning, it's not a good thing. 
And it wasn't. Five runs later. And the Cubs left three runs. They could have even done more damage in that uh, inning. But when Jay's Fry came on, uh, he struck out Hayward and then got Robel Garcia to bounce into a double play 5-3. And that ended the bleeding uh, for the White Sox. The Cubs didn't score any more. They only had two hits the remaining four innings in the contest. Um, but not a great game for the White Sox. Obviously, the Cubs and their fans are very, very happy. Ricky Renteria talking about the struggles for Lucas Giolito. Um, I think that, you know, he's he's dealt with that before. But, you know, this is a, a completely uh, a new round for him. I think he's pitching a lot. He's doing well. Um, I don't know that it's something new in terms of trying to find his release point again. But uh, at the end of the day, um you know, his job was to go out there and try to get us a little bit deeper. It didn't work out, you know, and not not because he didn't want to do it or, you know, um, for any lack of preparation, it just didn't work out today for him. And Renteria had more to say about Giolito's outing. Actually, yeah. I mean, you, everybody's seen him very, very good, and I think when you see one like this, um, kind of takes you back a little bit. But, uh, you know, you have our, our pin who tries to come in and, and try to, you know, Minimize damage after that. You do the best that you can. Uh, again, they kept us in the game. Um, we got the tying run of the plate in the end, and, and uh, we just weren't able to you know, get it across. Well, Ricky's boys don't quit. They didn't quit last night. They did lose, though. The final score is 6-3, to three, and the Sox and Cubs go at it again later on today. Quickly, let me give you the lineups, and we're going to talk a little bit more about what happened yesterday. It was interesting because Rick Hahn talked yesterday. Um, Theo Epstein talked yesterday. We got some sound from Theo as the um, All-Star break today after the uh, games are played. No evening game tonight. No game on ESPN this evening. They do play the Futures game tonight. Something for you to watch on MLB Network. We'll talk more about that also a little bit later on. 312-332-3776. You were at the game last night. And I'm also going to talk about stupidity of fans. Stupidity of fans. Okay, I hope that got you riled up. We'll tell you about that in a second. Here's the lineups for today's game. The uh, Cubs and Kyle Schwarber back out to left. Javi Baez at short. Chris Bryant playing his original position. He came up with a third base. It'll be Anthony Rizzo at first. Wilson Contreras DHing today. Jason Hayward's in right. Victor Caratini is catching. Robel Garcia, who DH'd last night, is playing second base. He stays in the uh, batting order. And Albert Almora in center field for the Cubs, who will have Kyle Hendricks on the hill, seven and six, a three forty five earned run average. His last outing was uh, a short outing when he came back from that shoulder problem because of rain. He pitched just three innings in his last outing against Pittsburgh. As for the White Sox, it'll be Lurie Garcia at short, Yohan Moncada at third, Abreu at first base, McCann plays behind the plate, John Jay in right field. Eloy Jimenez in left field. It'll be uh, Yomer Sanchez at second base. Charlie Tilson in uh, center field. The DH today is Zach Collins still looking for his first hit after that home run he hit earlier in his uh, first official outing as he walked against the Cubs in the Crosstown Classic Wrigley Field then homered in his next bat after that. The pitcher for the White Sox, it'll be Ivan Nova. He is 3-7 and seven with a 592 average. Okay. Fans, stupidity of fans, what I'm talking about. And I know that Len Casper and um, A.J. Brzezinski, who did the game last night, uh, talked about it a little bit. A.J. talked about some of the things he saw in the stands during the White Sox-Cubs Crosstown Classic over the years. I just got to tell you, any fan that gets into a fight with another fan 
at a ballpark, be it Cubs, Sox, Yankees, Red Sox, uh, Packers, Bears, Blackhawks, Blues, or Blackhawks, Stars, or any Blackhawks against any of their rivals, the stupidity is ridiculous. Why you would get into someone's face and enough to get into a fight. There was, uh, there was one video I saw on Twitter, and actually it was two women with Cubs outfits throwing haymakers at White Sox fans. Um, I don't know who started it. doesn't matter. Uh, I've been to ball games where I've seen fights. I'm a big Sox fan. I've been to Sox-Cub games. Never even got close to an altercation. Uh, obviously, alcohol plays a big part. But the stupidity of fans to go to a game, get hammered, and then get into a fight where you don't only get kicked out, but also you disrupt your entire section. Obviously, they don't care. It's just pure stupidity. Okay, I was expecting, I was betting that someone would run on the field yesterday um, because of the big crowd. It was another sellout for the White Sox. They've had a few, I think four of them this year. But I I had to get it out. It amazes me the stupidity of some fans and some people who go to a game and actually get into a fight with another fan who's there to enjoy a game. If a fan is acting up, a fan's getting in your face, call security, get them out of the ballpark, okay? But to start a fight with another fan is beyond ridiculous. And I couldn't believe when I saw it last night. There were at least three or four of them. And AJ talked. He said the the players used to love these games because they would look into the stands and see things happening that they never seen before. And that's one of the reasons there are very, very few evening games. Now, the games uh, at Wrigley Field were both night games. The games on the south side, rarely do they have a night game because there were fights and altercations in the past. And uh, obviously a night game last night, an early evening game, a 6 o'clock game, and uh, you had several fights, several altercations. Just just aggravating. Aggravating as a baseball fan. Aggravating as a human being that people actually go to a game, get drunk enough where they're going to get pick a fight with another fan just because they're a fan of another team. Who cares what they say about your team? That's what's supposed to be. It's supposed to be a back and forth. Hey, you guys suck. You're no good. You know, go back and forth. Lighthearted banter back and forth. And for anybody to get carried away and get into a fight, just absolutely ridiculous. Um, the White Sox and Cubs, they both wrap up, obviously, their fictional first halves of the season with their games today. Looking at how they've done compared to last year. The Cubs have now played 89 games. They're 47 and 42. You take a look at the standings and after the Brewers lost last night to Pittsburgh. The Cubs have a half game lead in the Central. Uh, Milwaukee is a half back. Cardinals two back. Pittsburgh three and a half back. And the Reds are four and a half behind the pace. The entire division, one through five, just four and a half games. Cubs are 47 and 42 through 89 games. Last year at this exact point, they were 52 and 37. So they're five games worse this year than they were last year. The White Sox, a team in their rebuild, they were, they're 41 and 44. They're going to go to the break below 500. They were hoping they could get a couple of wins against the Cubs and then go to the break at 500 and 43 and 43 and that's not happening. Last year at this time the White Sox were 30 and 55. They're 11 games better than they were last season through 85 games. And both clubs have a very very tough start of the second half. Fictional second half. I know they're past the halfway point, but it's easier to call it the second half than anything else. The Cubs, after the break, 
come home to play three against Pittsburgh. They just dropped three out of four in Pittsburgh. Three against the Reds. Three against the San Diego team that's playing well. Then they go on the coast to play San Francisco for three. That's three should-be-easy games. Then they go three in Milwaukee and three at St. Louis. So the Cubs have a really tough series coming up. They have, let's see, three, six, 12 of their next 21 games are against their division. Three against Pittsburgh, three against Cincy, three against Milwaukee, three against St. Louis. So they play everybody in their division in the next 21 games. As for the White Sox, and this is for years and years as a White Sox fan, if you want to jump in, 312-332-3776. As a White Sox fan, years and years, you would say, okay, second half, you got to start the second half well. Well, the White Sox go to the West Coast to start the second half. They have a 10-game road trip. They play at Oakland, then Kansas City, and Tampa Bay. Oakland right now is not playing poorly. Oakland is second in the AL West. They're eight games above 500. They're 49 and 41. The White Sox play Kansas City, who they've uh, tried to take advantage of this year. And then they play Tampa Bay. And the Rays are just seven and a half back in the Yankees with a 51 and 39 record. So the White Sox go on the road to play two second place teams and the Royals. It's going to be very tough for the White Sox going on the road with what they have. Uh, I'll be interested to see when Dylan Cease goes again. Uh, I'll be interested to see how they continue to progress um, when they hit the road for an extended period. 312-332-3776. couple of things that happened yesterday. That was Theo Epstein was talking. Epstein talking out at Guaranteed Rate Field yesterday as the Cubs are a game away from the break. Everyone's talking about if the Cubs, in fact, are looking at making any deals. And Theo did say that uh, he has some confidence in the team he's got out there right now. I believe in this group. I believe in this organization, more importantly. And I think I think good times are ahead. I think you have to withstand the downstretches. You know, you're, I've been in baseball 28 years. There's it, There are cycles that come and go where... You know, you're gonna, you're gonna, as an organization or as an individual, you're gonna, you're gonna look really good, like you got the game figured out, and that's never the case. You never do. And then there's gonna be times when it looks like you can't get out of your own way. And you know, usually if there's, you know, if there's, if there's some merit to your approach or there's some substance there, as a player or as a front office person, that's probably not, not the case either. And you just, you, the key is not to let, you know, the down periods. Um, cut at the fabric of the organization. I think there's a lot of good things, a lot of great people here, a lot of good things going on here. We just haven't, we haven't put our best foot forward um, lately, and we need to keep working hard to turn that around. Like that's the mindset we're in. Now, one of the things that I would have to say about what the Cubs have done and have not done, a couple of years ago, I thought they should ride out what they had with what they had before making any moves. They really have not brought much new into this team. Last year, before last year, they brought in Chatwin and Darvish and Morrow, and none of those three have really helped this ball club. And now they are looking to possibly bring in a bat. They bring in Robel Garcia. Maybe he can help them out. But if Robel Garcia is here, who becomes expendable? Then yesterday, the Cubs also said that there's a really good chance that Ben Zobris will come back soon. Now, Ben Zobris comes back soon. Does that make somebody else on this team expendable? I'm going to ask Jesse about that when he joins us at 11 o'clock because, um, you know, if Zobris comes back, and Zobris is the kind of guy this club 
needs. A guy that puts his bat out of the ball. I know that Abdallah mentioned a couple times yesterday the Cubs created runs. Well, they they got a gift from Giolito who walked the bases loaded, and then he got a couple of back-to-back doubles. There were no homers hitting the game yesterday, which is rare for all of baseball, not just Cubs baseball. Uh, rare for all of baseball that in a 6-3 to game, there was not one home run hit yesterday, but there wasn't. Theo was asked also if uh, they're close to making any trades with anyone. Us trade-wise? Oh, I don't know. It's, we're not close to anything right now, but we're, you know, we're in a kind of a proactive stance right now, you know, we're kind of looking for things we can make happen just because we haven't been playing that well for a while now and trying to, you know, sometimes a little bit, you know, you you, you look for things that can spur the team a little bit and you get in a more, more aggressive stance, not that you're going to make deals that don't make sense, but um, we're kind of in that mindset, we're just looking to try to find ways to help help the group and if we can, but not, nothing's close and you know, we're we're also just engaged with Joe and the coaching staff, just trying to trying to find ways for this group, you know, get more out of this group and play better and put us in a better position um, as buyers too. Yeah, as buyers too, and uh, you know, we will see as this rolls along for the Cubs a huge, huge second half. And you look at it, um, the Pittsburgh series, the Reds. The Padres and then on the road in San Francisco, Milwaukee, and the first two in St. Louis are all before the July 31st trade deadline. So the Cubs will know where they're going. You would think, you would think if they need to add or not add and stand pat, they will know after they play Pittsburgh, Cincinnati, Milwaukee, and St. Louis uh, in four of the next six series. 312-332-3776. So the Cubs and White Sox wrap up the, um, first half of the season before the All-Star break. Six players going to the All-Star game. Bryant joins Baez and Contreras. Baez and Contreras voted in as starters, while Abreu, McCann, and Giolito go for the White Sox. I'm not sure if Giolito's outing yesterday would have any effect on him starting or not starting. There had been reports it would could possibly be him or it could be Verlander. Well, after last night, Lucas Giolito, his uh, ERA going up a hair. Uh, I had a guy get to me on Twitter earlier this morning, and he said, Fred, not trolling you. This is Jermaine. He said, not trolling, Fred, but I hear you talk about Gio being the uh, time as a Sox ace. All the time as a Sox ace. Sorry, I can't read. I watched him against my Cubs twice and Boston. Are you sure Kopech and Cease are your guys' better pitchers? Listen, I would love to say that Kopech and Cease are better pitchers than Lucas Giolito. To have Lucas Giolito as a three would be a wonderful thing for the White Sox. Giolito right now is 11-3. and three. There's only two pitchers in baseball with 11 wins. He's got an ERA of 315, and there are only 12 pitchers in baseball with a better ERA. So after a guy was a 613 ERA and led all of baseball or all of the American League in walks last year to do what he's doing now, he's still a young kid. He's still got time to grow. And I think White Sox fans are still very excited about Lucas Giolito. We come back, and this is a rarity for me. We come back. I consider myself basketball stupid, but I'm listening to Black and Abdallah and I'm learning. I got a question for Bulls fans because when I came down, there were a bunch of Bulls fans jumping on. They think the Bulls should trade for Russell Westbrook. Others say there's no way. I want to get your opinion. 312-332-3776. Should the Bulls, who are in the middle of their rebuild and they picked up Kobe White and they've got Daniel Gafford, who played well the other day, 21 points and 10 boards in the first summer league game, 
Should they try to put a trade together to bring Russell Westbrook to the Bulls? Is it a good thing or a bad thing? Again, you got to tell me because I'm not so sure. I'm going to ask Felix Reyes. He is our producer today. And we'll ask you at 312-332-3776. Fred, he opened it with you. A rarity. Some Bulls talk. Some NBA talk. We come back here on ESPN 1000. Chicago's Game Day with Fred Hubner on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Fred Hupner with you. We're going to talk with Jesse Rogers, top of the hour, talk a little bit more about the Crosstown series and talk about the Cubs. Who Jesse might think gets dealt, what he thinks the return of Zobris, whenever that happens, might mean for this team and how long and when he thinks the uh, Cubs might get Ben Zobris back. Cubs win last night, 6-3. to three. They wrap up the Crosstown Series and then go into the All-Star break. A little bit later on today, a 1-10 first pitch. Ivan Nova going against Kyle Hendricks. Uh, like I said, usually, after you get Black and Abdallah for two hours, mate until 10, there's usually no reason for me to talk about the NBA because compared to those two, I am NBA stupid. I'm a Bulls fan. I watch the Bulls games. I really don't watch a lot of other NBA basketball. About four years, to show you how NBA stupid I am, about four or five years ago, I had this big whole thing how I was so against Russell Westbrook. Just saying, this guy never, all he's a ball hog, never passes the ball, this, 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 and this. Then I watched him a few games and I said, well, that was just stupid. Um, yeah, he does have the ball in his hands a lot, but he's a guard, and that's one of the things he probably should do. He does score a lot, he does rebound a lot, and he does dish out assists, averaging a a triple-double last season. Uh, That's exactly what he did. And uh, you look at it and you say, okay, is he the kind of guy that the Chicago Bulls could use? Um, You look at it, and I don't necessarily think so. I'm a big fan of building a team, and you went into a rebuild, okay? Don't trade two or three of those guys to bring in a guy like Russell Westbrook. That's my opinion. Because I think that no matter what you're going to do, you're going to have to trade the best of the guys that you have in order to get Russell Westbrook. And you look at the roster, and the roster's not bad. It's, you know, Wendell Carter, we'll see how his uh, surgery goes. You've got guys like, you know, your recent pickups, uh, Kobe White and Daniel Gafford. You got Zach Levine. Uh, you have Larry Markinen. You have, uh, you know, a bunch of players. Otto Porter will be here, obviously. Thaddeus Young you picked up. And you're building what you think is going to be a competitive team in the East. Now, how many of those guys are you going to have to move in order to bring a Russell Westbrook over? So the question I asked, since I heard a lot of people calling at the end of the Black Abdallah show every Sunday 8 to 10, and then whenever else they decide that it's a perfect time to get those youngsters in, and they do a great job. I I listened. I was was listening the other day, and I actually sent them a text. Just a fun listen with these two guys. Uh, But they know their NBA, and it sounded like Black was for it. And Felix, correct me if I'm wrong. It sounded like Black was all for the Bulls making a pitch and going out for Russell Westbrook. And Abdallah, not so much. That was is that correct. right? Yeah, because what, what Chris was mentioning, and I think Chris at first was on the fence about it, but the reason why he likes the idea is just because right now in free agency, 
what other stars out there? I mean, taking free agency this year away, right. next year, the following year. So what star is this team ready and equipped for? Just like we saw the Clippers do, just like we saw the Nets do. Are we building a roster to get that type of star? And if we are trying to get a star, who is it going to be? Because right now the next disgruntled star that we're seeing that's going to probably be getting a trade soon is Russell Westbrook. Right. So that's why he feels that Russell Westbrook would be good for this team because it, it, it keeps us contending in the East. Yeah, the nice part, the one thing I thought is, you know, if you pick up a free agent, you're not trading guys. Uh, you're not trading part of your rebuild. But if you go get a Russell Westbrook, you're going to have to move someone. You're going to have to trade a, a Zach Levine or a Larry Markkinen or a Chandler Hutchison or a Wendell Carter. You're going to have to make a move with some of these guys that you have gone out to try to, you know, and acquired to try to build a winner. Let's see what you guys think. It's 312-332-3776. Let's first go on out to Arlington Heights and Patrick. Patrick, you're on ESPN 1000. What's going on? Hey, how you doing, Fred? Thanks for having me on. What's up? Um, I'm a, I'm a Bulls season ticket holder. I absolutely love Russell Westbrook. He's probably my favorite player not on the Chicago Bulls. That being said, I honestly don't want the Bulls to trade for Westbrook. There's two reasons. One, you already hit, where we would have to give up probably Levine and one other Pete. Um, and giving up those, you know, Levine is one thing, but to give up either Carter Jr. or Markinen, even Porter Jr. would kind of, strip us too much. Um, the other problem is Westbrook's already 29, and he, he relies, most of his game is, is athleticism. He's going to get, as he gets older, his athleticism is going to go. He's not a good shooter. You know, his other uh, facets of his game aren't very good, so he, his decline is going to be rapid, I feel, and the Bulls don't have the pieces. And If we were going to get him and maybe Bradley Beal, that would be different, but I just don't see that happening, and that's, that's why I don't want the Bulls to do it, because they have a real good nucleus, and I don't want I don't want them to sacrifice it for Westbrook, who isn't going to bring us a championship by himself. Let me ask you a question before I let you go. You say you're a Bulls fan, season ticket holder, and I know this is so silly that I'm asking, but were you surprised that they released Jack Harrison? Uh... No, because his contract is, was non-guaranteed, and that the Bulls are all about money. They want to stay under the salary cap, and them, uh, they're one of only three teams now that are under the salary cap. All the other teams, are, are the salary caps are full. Yeah, That's they, all the Bulls are, so no, that didn't, that okay. didn't really surprise me. It surprised me just for the fact that he's one guy that played defense, and I know defense isn't a, isn't a pretty part of the NBA, but it is a part that you need, and um, it surprised me a little bit. Uh, people were even talking about his defense in the summer league game the other day when uh, he had you know, five steals. Yeah, I mean, and now now he's yeah. You, you, I like Shaq Harrison. I yeah, when too. I saw that, I you know I saw Walt Lemon Jr. I was like, oh, that's fine. Yeah, but Shaq Harrison, I was like, you know what? He played a lot of minutes down the stretch last year with all the injuries going sure. around. I thought he would have been a nice piece just to come off the bench. I He's agree. young and plays defense, like you said. Well, that's the, you need that on your that, roster. That really surprised me when that happened. Three one two three three two three seven seven six. Patrick, thanks for the call. Let's go to Lincoln Park and Blaze. Blaze, run ESPN one thousand. What's happening? Hey, how's it going? Uh, thanks for having me on. So uh, I think I think Russell Westbrook would would be a good addition to the team just for the fact that it would excite the city a little bit more about the Bulls, get more people going to games. I mean. He's one of the top five uh, most electric players. You know, like you said, uh, averaged a triple-double last year. He's a two-time 
uh, scoring champ, two-time assist champ. I mean, that kind of person uh, on the floor every night in Chicago, I think it just does well for the city and maybe would attract other players to come in free agency down the line. So. Is, is that, I was going to ask you, is that one of you, the key reasons you think you'd, you'd want to go get him? Because just adding a Russell Westbrook to whatever's left after they trade players to get him, what's that going to get you? The sixth spot in the playoff in the East or the fifth spot in the East? I mean, it's not going to get you a championship just because you have Russell Westbrook there. No, yeah, I totally, I totally agree. I'm just, a, I'm a guy like you. I, I'm not too into the NBA, but I've gone to a couple games the past two years, and it's been brutal. If Russell Westbrook was out there, I think any matchup uh, is a little bit more exciting. So, yeah, there's no doubt about that, Blaze. He would definitely bring more excitement to uh, the United Center. And I know, I know, earlier Bleck and Abdallah were talking about attendance. And I know there were times last year where you looked at Bulls games and there were a lot of open seats. For the most part, they don't have a problem selling that place out, even now, because it's not like you're selling out, you know, a football stadium or a baseball stadium. You've got 20,000, okay? And you have 40 games, 41 games. It's You can sell that out. And they've been doing a pretty good job of selling it out for a long, long time. And with the young players that this Bulls uh, organization has been able to put together, and uh, Kobe White, no matter what you think of him and how quickly he can drop, come in, he he's going to be exciting when he gets on the court. Um, the other day, not great shooting, 0 for 7 from uh, 3. But I think between him and Gafford fitting in with Larry Markinen and Otto Porter and Zach Levine, and having guys healthy, man, Chandler Hutchison, if he can keep him healthy, I really like what he does uh, on the court. And uh, the Wendell Carter, he's not going to be a dominant player, but he's going to be a guy that I think can get you points, get your rebounds down low. I, I kind of like what they've been doing with this rebuild. Now, I don't know that they have a true stud superstar. I'm not sure how many of them there really are in the NBA. But I think that they're, they've been doing a good job putting together what they can do I, I am not a fan of the super team thing. That's been one of my biggest, biggest problems. Um, I know I was listening earlier to Black and Abdallah, and they were talking how now it's a little more wide open in the NBA. You don't have just that one team that is going to win, that you can say, okay, this team is going to get to the finals. And you do have to realize that if Kevin Durant doesn't get hurt, the Warriors win the, win the championship again. Okay, The reason Toronto won is because Kevin Durant got hurt. If Kevin Durant is healthy and Clay Thompson's healthy, the Golden State Warriors would have won again. There's no, I, I can't imagine anybody out there that is an NBA fan has any doubt in that unless you're a Toronto Raptors fan. But I was never a fan of the super teams and putting them together. And you look at it, and Kawhi could have done, he could have gone to the Lakers and he decided, I'm going to go across the building and go to the Clippers instead. And now you got the Clippers, and you got the Lakers, and you got what's left of the Warriors. And Kevin Durant not necessarily going, or he could stay with the Warriors and be a super team, or he could go to what he did. And, you know, you go somewhere else, and now you go to Brooklyn, and you're not necessarily going to be a super team. You and, you know, Kyrie, and uh, it's going to take a little while, I would think. Obviously, he's not going to play all season this year, but... Damian Lillard was on the jump as uh, ESPN doing a great job of showing a lot of summer league games and 
for those who didn't know, you're not going to get a chance to see Zion Williamson anymore. He came out of the game the first night with a, a little bit of a banged-up knee, and now he's going to miss all of the uh, summer league play. So you have to wait until NBA preseason games get underway. But Damian Lillard out of the jump talking about how he would rather lose than actually team up with other superstars. I'm not a team-up type of person. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I've said it in the past. Like, I would almost just rather, if I'm going to lose trying to do it the way I'm doing it, I can live with that knowing that I really mean that. Well, you ain't I really, you that's ain't what just, I prefer. But, you ain't just saying You live Yeah, like that's really it. how I feel. Yeah. So, like... I don't think it's nothing wrong with what guys are doing. Mm-hmm. You know, when I see it, I just, I kind of get excited about the challenge of it. And that's the thing that I really thought was cool. He gets excited about it. I thought I was playing the longer one because the longer one's better. And let me play the longer one. You might hear a little bit of a replication of this, but this is a little bit longer. They ask him a little more, a few more questions about, uh, you know, building a team and how he feels about it. I think people, you know, they, on the business side, teams decide they're done with a player and they make a move, you know, and it's, the thing is, it's business. Everybody say it's business. The team did, you know, when players do it, it's frowned upon, like they're doing something wrong, but um, just for me personally, I'm not a team up type of person Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying I've said it in the past like I would almost just rather if I'm gonna lose trying to do it the way I'm doing it I can live with that knowing that I really mean that well you ain't said it that's what I prefer but you ain't just saying you live yeah like that's really how I feel so like I don't think it's nothing wrong with what guys are doing Mm -hmm. you know when I see it I just I kind of get excited about the challenge of it is it like okay is there a difference for you between teaming up and recruiting I think when it, when you talk about teaming up, it's like teams like guys plotting on coming to one place. Like, all right, let's all go right. here and let's do this. But, like, if you just add a piece to your team, like AD going to the Lakers, I didn't add in a, a, one of the best players in right. the game. But if it's like, all right, let's get AD and let's get this dude, and then four of y'all end up on the same team, right. then I'm that's what I'm looking at. Like, see, I could never do that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Is recruiting becoming a bigger part of the NBA? Do you start, CJ, start talking about, okay, we got to go after this guy next summer, we got to work on him through the year, that kind of thing? Me and CJ don't operate like that. We just be like, when we talk about players that we could get, we'll be like, this guy would fit well because he can he can shoot and he would stretch the floor. We do it like that. We don't look at it and say, oh, this star going to be a free agent. Let's go after him. We never, we just never had that type of conversation because I don't feel that way and neither does he. Now, if you can get one of them, it's like, of right. course you want to get them, but it's, you're not out there searching like that. Um, just never, never had those conversations. I thought it was refreshing to hear Damian Lillard say that um, because, I, again, uh, you've heard Charles Barkley, you heard the old school guys say that we never wanted to team up with the superstars. We wanted to build a team and beat the superstars. And uh, the game has completely changed. It's completely changed, uh, you know, from way back when with the with the Celtics and then with what LeBron did down in Miami and obviously in Golden State with Durant joining them for a couple of years. So um, it, it, I, I liked hearing what Damian Lillard said. Uh, 312-332-3776, your thoughts. I got a couple of guys who got to me on Twitter about their opinions. Um, would you as a Bulls fan want them to make a move to go on out and get Russell Westbrook? More baseball talk, top of the hour. Jesse will join us from Guaranteed Rate Field. Sox and Cubs wrap up their 
crosstown series for the season after the Cubs get a 6-3 win yesterday. And anybody that's out there watching the Women's World Cup, I know they're nearing the end of the first half. If you want to be my uh, soccer reporter, you can call and give me a quick 30 or 40 second update on exactly what's happening while I'm sitting here talking basketball and baseball right here on ESPN 1000. Chicago's Game Day with Fred Eubner on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Halftime of the Women's World Cup final. No score. When I did look up as I was talking baseball and some hoops, saw a lot of action uh, in the 18. A lot of action in the box with, uh, boy, oh boy, just some narrow escapes from both sides. And uh, at the end of the first half, Netherlands had numerous chances and numerous opportunities to score a goal, but no score through the first half. Love to see Kristen Press in there. She played very, very well in some of the earlier matches when Megan Rapino couldn't play. Rapino is playing. That's probably enough soccer talk for some of you out there. Uh, we'll get to more if there's if there's a goal and when there's a goal, you'll hear about it. We'll make sure you you know. A couple of people, we were talking about Russell Westbrook and if the Bulls should go on out after a Russell Westbrook. Two guys got to me on Twitter. Uh, my buddy Aaron, Aaron's a great guy, said, um, Pax, aside from Rose, Pax has been in a rebuild since 2003. I have no faith in his 15 rebuild. Um, yeah, a lot of people are like that. They don't have faith in Garen Pax. I have faith in three years in a row that you get the seventh guy in the draft with Markinen, Carter, and now you get Kobe White. I I think that uh, them, along with Levine and Otto Porter, I think you're going to have an exciting team. I think they will be above 500 this year. I think they will make the postseason. Um, again, I did call myself basketball stupid. Um, David gets to me, said, uh, let's see here. Not David, Brian said, I would instantly package Carter and Levine and a uh, second round pick for Westbrook. Felix, is uh, Carter and Levine uh, enough for uh, OKC? I mean, I mean, it depends because it looks like OKC is looking to rebuild. Right. So they're going to want picks. I think if you're them, you're going to try to grab all the picks you can get. And definitely. But a second round pick's not going to do Not a for second them. round pick. Yeah. They're going to want the first rounds. They're going to want unprotect, unprotected first round picks just like they got. I think Levine definitely has to be part of the deal just because of his contract. Cause you got to look at Russell, Russell Westbrook's contract. His contract's about 37, 38 million for this season. So like it's a lot of money. So you also have to match some salaries and then maybe a young asset. I don't know if Wendell Carter Jr. goes. It just depends on how desperate both teams are. Yeah, and then, uh, I, we, we'll have to wait and see. I mean, there's going to be a lot more talk about it, obviously. Uh, it's interesting because there's a lot of people out there that say the NBA, their their season comes to an end. They have the draft less than a week later, and then free agency begins like a week after that. And it's a great time for NBA talk. If you watch ESPN, you watch the jump, you you see Woji's all over the place uh, constantly. Uh, and it's the middle of baseball season. I know that apparently baseball is taking a backseat to basketball. People love the game of hoops. But um, they talk about it all now, and then you're going to get like three months off. But it seems like they just carry the basketball talk into the NFL. Was it three weeks till training camps open up? Three weeks till training yeah. camp. <laughs> yeah. But the NBA news this offseason has helped bring that a lot quicker and sooner because we all are 
all excited for the bear season. So, oh yeah, just there's, to know that that's creeping right around the corner while there's still a lot of NBA chatter. Yeah, is good. It, it's made up for that time for yeah. sure. There's going to be a lot of time here on this show on Sunday mornings where we're talking bears, talking about you know who, how they're going to do, what the uh, defense is going to be able to do with a new defensive coordinator now that Fangio's gone, all that kind of stuff. But we come back, we're talking baseball, crosstown series. Jesse Rogers will join us from Guaranteed Rate right here on ESPN One Thousand. Talking Baseball with Fred Hubner on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Makata drills this ball right field. The only question is which deck. It's a two-run homer. A comet on a progressive field. We're talking baseball. In the air to right center field. How about this for a homecoming? That is crushed into the second deck for Bryce Harper. And he gives those Phillies fans a chance to jump up and down one more time. This ball is K-I-L-T killed. My goodness. Chance to walk it off against Neil Ramirez here in the ninth. And when he hits a part, then it goes far. Talking Baseball with Fred Hubner on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Uh, welcome on in. We talked uh, some basketball the last half hour, but it's going to be all baseball. Basically the rest of the show till 12 here on ESPN 1000. You got a question for Jesse Rogers, 312-332-3776. He likes nothing more than answering questions from Cup fans. Here on ESPN 1000 as we bring in Jesse out of Guaranteed Rate Field. Jess, what's going on? Man, one of the few days I'd like to be a fan only because, you know, I love my job. But they're having fun outside right now, Fred. I mean, the, the grills are going. The beer is flowing. I wish I was tailgating. It's a beautiful day. Not too, uh, you know, yesterday actually was a little chilly at night. Right. Obviously, the day before, really humid and everything. Today looks, seems, feels like a perfect day for baseball. And, I think they've been tailgating since about 8 a.m. out there. So it's going to be a fun day. Was an interesting game last night. Where do you want to start? Well, first of all, I, in the first hour, I uh, railed on the people who may have tailgated just a hair too much. Yeah. And, and any fan, any fan that goes to a game and actually gets in an altercation with a fan from another team, it's just a, the most stupid thing. I know there were, from where you guys were sitting, you probably saw two to three to five fights yesterday, and there were some big ones I saw on Twitter. Just completely ridiculous. I can't imagine a Jesse Rogers ever got into a brawl at a baseball game as a fan. No, I'm a lover, not a fighter. I would run, <laughs> I'd run the other way. That's the kind of guy I am. Yeah, there were, there were several, and you know, the big one I think was in sort of the right field stands there down the right field line. A lot of people standing up and watching that one. And since you brought it up, I'm you know, glad I Cubs, uh, the Cubs bullpens down there, they were watching it a little bit. They couldn't see everything. But I, I heard one story, and this kind of exemplifies what you're talking about, just the beer flowing and everyone sort of hyper. Steve Ciszak, okay, yeah. who, who's like one of the nicest guys in the world, like a church-going type of guy, 
he's getting heckled by a fan, he told me, but he's wearing a Cubs jersey, this fan. <laughs> and he's saying, C-Shack, you suck, C-Shack, you suck. And he finally turns around and sees him in a Cubs jersey. He's like, what? you're a Cubs fan. Why? He goes, I don't care, you still suck. So C-Shack was trying to think of a good comeback, and I guess the guy was a big guy wearing like yeah. a small yeah. small jersey or small – this was really tight. He's like, next time, why don't you – you know, take off your kid's jersey and get a get an extra large for yourself. So that's what he says to the guy. Keeps on him, I guess. And then he tells the security guard to blank off. Yeah. And, th- and, he, and that's how he gets kicked out. That's how he gets kicked down. The security guard tells C-Shack, only my wife tells me to blank off. Right. Nobody else. So, I mean, you have Cub fans heckling their own players. And C-Shack's having a good year. It's not like he's heckling someone else. That's amazing. That's uh, struggling. So, yeah. Uh, when there's beer flowing, you never know what's going to happen. Yes, we, we saw some fights. Hopefully nobody got hurt uh, seriously. Yeah, it, it, it's a shame because you should be able to go and just have a have friendly banter back and forth. You know, the whole you suck, you guys suck, you're no good, that's fine, all that kind of thing. But sometimes it just gets outrageous. Most of the time, it's alcohol-fueled. Um, uh, Superman's got his kryptonite, and apparently Lucas yep. Giolito has his too, and it's the Cubs. He pitched really, he gave up the run in the first, pitched really well for the second, third, and fourth. Then in the fifth, he just didn't even know where the plate was. And uh, for a while there, you weren't sure what was going to happen, but the Cubs took advantage. Schwarber still doesn't know where the ball landed, I think. <laughs> but, but I mean, he, he took advantage, and that's Joe said it afterwards. When a pitcher has problems like that, you got to take advantage. The Cubs did, and that was good to see. And remember, Schwarber's a guy that, that can swing and miss in situations like that. Yep. So you don't take any points away from a bloop double, right? I mean, it counts just the same. Sure. And you give him credit for making contact. I mean, Giolito can strike anyone out. So what's strange is if you're a Cub fan and you only watch Giolito against the Cubs, well, this is two seasons in a row. You're like, well, this guy's not yeah. that special, you know. And and the walks in that inning was reminiscent of what he did last year uh, in, all season, but certainly against the Cubs. So how weird is that two-thirds of his losses are, are against the Cubs this season and they've only you know played the team a handful of times. You know, there's a th- three games against the Cubs. He has two losses, two of the losses. So – um, yeah, sometimes that happens. Uh, it doesn't take away from the season he's having. I will say, just watch it. You know, you, a guy that has a breakout first half like that, young guy, I don't mean to rain on your parade. you got to watch yeah. him in the second half, Fred. He's not likely to repeat his his first half. So well, you know, he probably won't go 20. He, yeah, he probably yeah. won't go 22 and 6. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So you just have to understand it's a breakout season. Even if he levels off a little bit, um, it's still a great year. Um you know, if we project it similar, if it's a 500 second half, it's not the worst thing in the world. But anyway, yeah, it was weird to see him lose command like that. And, uh, okay, Schwarber's dropped in, then, then Baez pulled him down the line, and that was it for him. They seem to have, um, the White Sox seem to have, I mean, Lester pitched really well. Uh, it seemed like the one thing that they decided the second time up is just go the other way, because then they had McCann had a single to right, Sanchez had a single to right, Abreu had a single to right. They were going the other way. Is that what some of these teams have been doing against Lester? Um, you know, I don't think they've had a strategy. It changes every game. It okay. really does. It just depends. Um, it, it, Lester is the classic feeling out the situation pitcher. So once he feels it, – it's real great cat and mouse game, especially when he pitches because he will use the first inning to feel them out, and then they will obviously take time to feel him out and, like you said, maybe adjust the second time through, and then he adjusts. It's a great cat and mouse game because it's not a fireballer. It's not a guy with the best curve in the league. It's not a guy with the best cutter in the league. You know, since we're talking about him, I tweeted this out last night. Uh, we all debated Arietta or Darvish, Arietta or Darvish. Arietta is hurt now with a 4.67 ERA. Darvish is a 5 ERA. 
And the guy that just keeps chugging along is John Lester at a 372. That's not so bad in this day and age, the way balls are flying out. So I, I feel like it, with him, if that ERA creeps up again, uh, over four, it's going to come back down. If it creeps all the way down to three, it's probably going to go back up. He is your sort of classic three-and-a-half guy now, ERA-wise, and you'll take that. You will absolutely take that as a 35-year-old with a lot of miles on his arm. So he just works it. I can't give you, you know, a strategy stuff because it kind of just evolves each time depending on how he's throwing and feeling and then depending on what the, te- the, the opposition wants to do against him. Before the game, Theo talked to the gathered media, and when you get Sox and Cubs, there's always gathered media. I mean, Rick Hahn talked. There was a lot, a lot for the GMs to talk about. Anything that Theo said yesterday that jumped out to you? Well, I mean, he talked for 20 minutes, so we, <laughs> we, you and I could analyze it sure. for 20 minutes. and. I mean, the short answer is no. The short answer is no. Just to give you an example and pull back the curtain, anytime something like that happens, I, I get in touch with my, my editors in Bristol, and we decide if there's something important enough to write a new column on. Right. right. Like he talked about Zobris, nothing new there. He talked about uh, his team. Well, nothing really new from what he said, in my opinion. It wasn't important enough to, to write a big column on. Having said that, I think the most important thing is that he, he talked around Joe Madden. I mean, I, I feel like the longer he answered a question, the more he was trying to sort of talk around the issue. Okay. Because he kept on – this is my takeaway. He kept on talking about a team that was playing sloppy. I don't know about you, Fred, but when you hear that word, and I said this to Theo, I said you've used the word sloppy several times. Isn't that a direct line back to the manager? Of course, it's the players playing sloppy. You blame them. Right. But obviously the manager is sort of, whether you want to call it allowing it to happen or isn't doing or saying the right things. I don't know about you, but when I hear sloppy, that kind of is coaching and managing, you know. And Theo, again, then gave a long answer (laughs) that said we're collectively in this. It's not just on one guy. I've got to present a, to a better thing for for Joe. I got to do this. I got to do that. I'm thinking. Wait a minute. You have nothing to do with the product on the field as it happens day to day. I mean, he obviously the front office has conversations with people and stuff. But I, if he's talking about I need to give Joe more better players, okay, that's something he can control. But when he talks about a collective effort in terms of sloppiness, what does the front office have to do with that? So I don't know. He's trying obviously not to publicly throw Joe under the bus, but. But in his words, to me, he's pointing at Joe. And frankly, I agree with him. When, you, when you've made the most outs on the base pass, when you've played the field like they have, when you've made the mental errors that you have, I think it, goes, it does go back to managing and coaching. So I guess the point is he gave Joe a vote of confidence in a very, very um, tepid way, in a very roundabout way by saying it's collectively. Well, of course it's collectively. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, any situation where it's losing, it's never one guy. But only one guy is going to, you know, only one guy takes the brunt of it. Only one guy will be fired if, if things don't go well. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, just to finish up on this point, the hypothetical situation never happened. I mean, if they had lost out this week, would Joe have a job come tomorrow? I don't know. But the, these last two wins, if it was ever in doubt, probably saved him. If it was ever in doubt, and I just don't know the answer to that. You and I someday can sit and uh, go back and forth because the one thing I disagree with, and you know me and managers, and we disagree yeah. about that. But the, the one thing, 
I think the managers get blamed a lot for these kind of things. And you could school these guys and you can break it down and have infield practice and tell them where to go and tell them what to do. And once they're on the field, they just do it. And, you know, what what Addison Russell did yesterday, I mean, it's not the infield, it's not Butterfield's fault that he threw the ball away. It's not, you know, I mean, that's a physical mistake. So I guess you're right there. But speaking of Addison Russell, and we can go over this some other time with the the managers and how you know what role they play in that and the coaches. But mm-hmm. what was he doing playing so far in? I, I know it probably didn't come up because it was a minuscule play. But in the third inning, Charlie Tilson's up and he's playing like on the infield grass almost. Um, right. Was it just because there was a he fake bunt on the on the uh, first first pitch? Because all of a sudden Tilson hits a shot and Russell makes a great play because he is a talented defensive player. It was a great observation. I don't know the answer because I noticed the same thing. Why were it was the whole infield creep crept in? Did they really? I, okay. Yeah, and I didn't know if maybe they just Tilson such a light hitting hitter, you know, guy that they didn't they they or maybe the bunt. I don't know. I don't know the answer. You're right. He he did he, it, it forced him to make that diving play, which was a nice play. But if he had been playing back, he would have had more time to react. Right. So I don't have the answer to that. I, I saw it as well. If it turned into something, if it if that ball had gotten through because he was playing in. It would have been a bigger issue, obviously, but uh, since he made the play, it didn't come up, but I don't know the answer to that. Okay, the uh, Zobrist return, and I yeah. know Theo talked about it. I think Joe even mentioned it also. Um, what do you think, when do you think this could possibly happen? Are we just guessing at this point? Is it all up in the air? And if, in fact, he does come back, does it make somebody on this current team expendable before July 31st? No, because I'll tell you what's going on here. All right. Okay. I, it, it, I've already reported this. It's going to be September 1st. Now, okay. I say that definitively. The next sentence is, as long as his life is in order the way he thinks it will be. In other words, this is why they haven't put a date on it publicly. It's because anything can happen. You know, something blows up with whatever's going on personally. His kids need him more. I don't know. You know, you can't, I, I can't t- give you the unforeseen things. Right. But his plan, their plan, is September 1st in part. Because it doesn't mess with the roster at that point. It's a, it's, you can have 40 guys in the dugout for the last year, sure. by the way. This year, so right. I think that's part of it. It gives him enough time to get his family in order. It doesn't change the dynamic on the roster because it's the day the rosters expand. It gives him enough time for the playoff push. Now, having said that, I assume, this part I don't know, what day he'll go down to the minors. He's not just coming back September 1st on the major league team. He's going to play some minor league baseball in August. I'm assuming. That part I don't have definitive. But the plan is September 1st. People that are tweeting they don't know and Theo saying I don't know, that's just because he doesn't want to be definitive. I've been told it's September 1st unless something changes in his personal life Okay. Uh, for that timeline. So at some point in August, he's got to go to the minors and get some at-bats. He's, 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 that, you know, he's a rhythm hitter, and for a guy not to play that long, he can't just come back. So that's the plan. And we'll see what kind of playing time he gets in September. I guess you have to think about it as gravy if you're Joe Maddie. You can't necessarily say, oh, Zobrist is going to change everything. If he happens to come back and he's hot and he's, he's, he's well-rested and everything's working, then great. If he's not, then you play like you've been playing for months without him. Okay, it's July 7th. There's a lot, long time to go in July yeah. before the trading deadline. But I just want to ask you, who do you think will be dealt? Russell, Schwarber, Hap, Almora, <laughs> Alzali, or Amaya? It's interesting that three of them have A's in their names. Yeah, I think it. it, it I think um, Amaya would be the the first guy, and that that's not any inside information. It's just that most contending teams don't trade off their major league roster, whether they're great players or not. 
it's inventory, and you need inventory. Guy goes down. Uh, I mean, again, I can't see Russell getting traded because he's the backup shortstop on right. this team. Now, I know Robo Garcia is here, but Russell can play all-star caliber defense uh, at shortstop. So um, uh, that's why – and, and Alzale is the one – you know, a cost-controllable starter is so, so necessary for this team moving forward that I, I would put him in the category with these other major leaders. Miguel Amaya plays a position where you have an all-star starting catcher, you have a really good backup, you're fine at that position. You're fine at that position. So if you're going to trade from your prospect base, it's it, it, it's someone like him. So, yeah, that, that's my answer. You, you gave me choices. I pick Miguel Amaya. Okay. Okay. Uh, do you think there's a possibility with Hap? I guess Hap's had a pretty good week or Did something like that. Did you mention Mike Montgomery, by the way? No, if I didn't. Mentioned... Okay, I didn't. Montgomery and Amaya. There, one off the uh, major league team, one off the minor league team. All right, go ahead. Okay, Montgomery. Gotcha. Not C-Sheck because he, he, he even though he sucks. <laughs> right, he's <laughs> The fans <laughs> say he sucked. Um, listen, uh, the game today, I mean, it's going to be Hendricks. This is a big start for Hendricks because obviously the last one was big for him. And it got rain, you know, shortened because of the rain and he only went three innings. How do you feel about Hendr- Hendricks going into the game today? No, I like what you, where you're going. I mean, that was the rehab start, right? right? And it got rain shortened anyway. But he got his innings in. He had full rest here in between. He sh- he, there's no reason he can't unload 90 to 100, in my opinion. Maybe closer to 90 because it is just his second start. Uh, but the point is he's, he's got the all-star break. And they're not bringing him back. I thought that was that, thought that was interesting. They're not bringing him back for next weekend. Right. Um, they've already announced it's uh, Darvish, Lester, Quintana. Right. So they want to rest that shoulder as much as they can. I still, doesn't, I still don't think that today, that that announcement has anything to do with today. I do think... Um, unless he's still hiding something, which it doesn't sound like he is, he's full throttle today. Again, it might not be 100. It could be 90. But if they get 6 and 90, if somehow stretch him to 7 and 90, I think they'd be very, very thrilled by that. So um, you would expect, uh, if he's healthy, better things uh, out of him in the second half as they move forward. They really do need him. Okay, so because it's Darvish, Lester, and Katana, and I was going to ask you about the second half, um, because after the break, they've got three at home with Pittsburgh, three with Cincinnati, and three with San Diego before hitting the road, San Francisco, Milwaukee, and St. Louis. So they play everybody in the division in the next 21 games. Um, so if it's going to be Darvish, Lester, and Katana, you think after that it's Alzali, Hendricks, and or is Chatwood getting a start? No, that's a great question. I I, I think it's Alzali. I think it's Alzali. If there could be some unknown reason that convinces them to go another direction, um, Alzali pitched last night, looked okay from what I understand, struck out a lot of guys. He'll go to the Futures game. I think it'll be Alzali, but um, you never know. It could go either way with, right. with the Chatwood thing. I think Alzali's last start was just, uh, just one of those things that's going to happen every so often. He got a, a bad one out of the way came after that team meeting i was on with you the other day i think that was a mistake to have a players only meeting and have him involved before he pitches but whatever uh who knows what the cause was um the one thing about next weekend i should mention uh that i don't they the cubs learn that you have to have as many lefties go up against the pirates as you can to neutralize them a little bit they are really good against righties this year so hence seeing two lester and quintana in that series against pittsburgh so that is definitely why um, you're not getting a second righty after you Darvish in that series. So that's that. That, that. I think it'll be Azulay and Chatwood's the long man, uh, but I could be wrong about that as we move forward. Let, let's see how this plays out with them. They don't have to make a decision yet. Jesse, I know you've been waiting for this uh, a soccer update. The USA scoring on a penalty kick in the 61st minute. Uh, they lead one nothing over the Netherlands. I know that uh, you probably had cash on that one. 
Hopefully you well, bet the my, under. My niece is a big soccer fan, and she went over there. I don't know if she's still there for the finals. So okay. I know she's excited, so I'm happy for her. Well, there were open seats, so she probably could have got a seat at a good <laughs> price today. Now, before I let you go, you mentioned Jake Arrieta, who they say he has bone spurs. He'll probably still pitch throughout the year, but they'll have to have surgery afterwards. Yesterday, he hit Todd Frazier with a curve or a changeup. And Frazier, who had gotten hit the night before, was not happy. He starts barking. Here, for you probably heard it, but for the people who have not heard it, it's really short. Here's what Jake Arrieta had to say about Todd Frazier being upset about getting hit by pitch. You know, Frazier's not happy about it. He can come see me. You know, I'll put a dent in his skull. <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't I actually did not hear the audio of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. He, he can come see me. I'll put a dent in his skull. I mean, I, I don't know if Major League Baseball is going to react to that. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, and I don't know the history. Someone else asked me today about the history between those two. I, I don't know of any. Yeah, I don't know of any. So maybe he's maybe Arietta and Adam Eaton are friends. You're lucky yeah. you didn't. You, you're, yeah, maybe you're lucky you didn't aggravate him when you were in the cab together. He could have no, put his head in your skull years ago. Yeah. You oh know, my God. I mean, since we're on the topic, a couple things. All yeah. right. First of all, you got to give the Cubs credit. Their evaluation of Jake is turning out to be correct. They were worried about injury possibilities, and you're seeing it now. One year after he signs there, he's got something going on in his arm. Um, they're also just worried about regression, and their evaluation of him was was going to be, you know, was he's gonna, he was going to go backwards, not get any better, not that he could get much better after 15. But, you know, I was one of those that would have taken Arietta over Darvish. It turns out neither, yeah, is so turning out to be, neither is turning out to be a great pick, so they invested money. Either way, it would have been maybe a mistake. Um, but you have to give them credit because I know they were worried about injury possibilities with his motion, the way he throws. The other thing is hearing that and stuff, for, you know, sources, whatever you want to say, people tell me he is not very comfortable in Philadelphia. Okay. And that's, and that's the other side of the equation. He may have, he might be regretting. I mean, he loved it in Chicago. He was comfortable. He had a support system like none other here. His career blossomed here. So we don't know if he'd have a four, six, seven ERA here i will say that but we can't go we, we don't have that other reality to look at so i'd say good job by the cubs sort of going against the grain and everyone else's opinion and and not offering them the big big money but also i don't think jake's very happy or comfortable there and it's coming out in different ways on the mound and obviously after the game as well yeah but nobody i don't think anybody knows the history there what where, where when did frazier tick him off so that's something to maybe investigate. Yeah, interesting. Uh, enjoy the game today. We will hopefully uh, we won't bother you too much this week. With well, going tomorrow's on. okay. Tomorrow's okay. okay. First half finale <laughs> today, but from Tuesday to Friday, to lose my number. That would be nice. Okay, Jess, we'll talk to you later. <laughs> See you. For, I mean, just you, just yeah, you lose my number. I, not the I will. Radio right. Uh, there's no doubt. I knew what you meant. Yeah, okay. See you, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, Jess. Jesse Rogers out at the ballpark, guaranteed rate. Uh, quickly, the lineups again before we get to some other baseball stuff. A lot of great baseball stuff going in. We'll look at the standings and we go into the All-Star break. For the Cubs, it'll be Schwarber in left, Baez at short, Chris Bryant at third base, Anthony Rizzo's at first with Wilson Contreras DHing, Jason Hayward in right field, Victor Caratini is behind the plate, Robel Garcia getting a start at second base today, and Albert Almora is in center field, Kyle Hendricks on the hill. And for the White Sox, Lurie Garcia at short, Yohan Moncada at third base. It'll be Jose Abreu at first, James McCann catching in right, John Jay. It'll be uh, Eloy Jimenez in left field. Yomer Sanchez at second base, Charlie Tilson in center field. Uh, 
DH will be Zach Collins and on the mound, Ivan Nova trying to get the White Sox even with the Cubs for the Crosstown Series. More baseball. We come back. Fred Huebner with you right here on ESPN 1000. Chicago's Game Day with Fred Huebner on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Ah, it looks like the United States is going to win a World Cup. The women have a 2 nothing lead 74 minutes in. As they're playing Netherlands, Megan Rapino from the spot, a penalty kick, and Rose Lavelle with a nice blast past the Netherlands keeper. 2-0, USA leading the Netherlands. And um, the nice thing about soccer, for all the people who talk about, oh, baseball, it's boring, it goes on so long. Soccer's over in two hours. Now, unless the game's tied, then they play 30 minutes of extra time and then go to penalty kicks. So, like, two and a half hours is the longest you'll ever get. And that's only in international games. But a regular soccer match. Chicago Fire plays soccer. They got a game coming up against um, FC Cincinnati next week at SeatGeek Stadium. Uh, game starts at 7, over by 9. Boom. Always. It used to be that way in college basketball. It used to be over in two hours. That's gotten longer. And the NBA used to be about two hours and 15 minutes. That's gotten longer. Uh, hockey went shorter. Hockey's over in shorter periods of time. Baseball, you never know. It's nine innings or until it rains. So you have to figure it out. We've got a lot of baseball stuff to play right here because I like to not only talk Sox and Cubs, which we've done a lot of today. We just had Jesse on. and uh, But I like to talk about the rest of baseball because I love baseball. Yesterday I was sitting down and I had um, the MLB mix 720 on my direct TV up in the corner and I looked and uh, the Pirates were leading the Brewers and then the Pirates were leading them by more and by more and by more. So we'll hear some highlights from uh, the Pirates game. We'll hear some of the other highlights, but let's start with a guy that was wearing a Montreal Expos jersey yesterday as the Washington Nationals wore throwback jerseys. They had the Expos uniforms on. They looked really, really good and so did pitcher Max Scherzer. 2-2, nobody out. Runner going. Swing and a miss. Oh, and he went on a pitch that was not a strike. Now the pitch. Swing and a miss. Struck him out with a changeup away. Here's the 1-2 to Merrifield. And he swings and misses at a fastball up and away off the plate at 96 miles an hour. Fourth strikeout for Scherzer. You know what they say, if you don't get them early, the good ones can do that to you, and that's five Ks on the day. Pitching school is in session. There's a slider that ends up way outside. And Can you tell what the pitch was by the sound you heard? The grunt and the pop into the mid, and that's number seven. Here's the wine in Scherzer's 2-2. Swing and a miss. Blows him away with a 98. Half swing, strike three. He went too far, and a cutter boring in on him. And Lucas Duda is 0 for 3 with three strikeouts. And now 10 Royals. 91st career 10 strikeout game. Swing and a miss, and there goes the bat. Strikes out the side in the seventh. That's 11. Max Scherzer, ladies and gentlemen, another unbelievable outing. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Max Scherzer, 11 strikeouts. Washington shuts out Kansas City, 6 to nothing. They look good in the Expos uniforms. Highlights courtesy Nationals TV. The Tampa Bay Rays 
They've been struggling against the Yankees. They're trying to catch the Yankees. It was tied at three, and Travis Darno at the plate. And it's Darno sending one into right center. All oh, the highlights courtesy of Tampa TV. I think there was Dwayne Stats on the call as Travis Darno belts the home run, a 4-3 win for the Rays over the Yankees. They want to stick around and stick as close as you can to the Yankees. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll hit a skid. Maybe the Rays can get on a run. We'll see what happens in the second half. The uh, San Diego Padres have Fernando Tatis. They have a lot of other players like Manny Machado and they also have a guy that can hit the hell out of the ball, Hunter Renfro. One-two pitch coming up. To center field. Verdugo going back, looking up and that ball's going to be gone! Home run! Hunter Renfro with a home run. Highlights courtesy of Padres TV. Renfro, his 27th home run of the season. We're just at the All-Star break, and he hits his 27th home run of the season. Padres get a 3-1 win over the Dodgers, and um, Padres trying to stick around as close as they can also. Uh, they need. They got a lot of young pitching. We'll see how that plays out. Now, I mentioned that the Pirates were hosting the Brewers. The Brewers have been struggling. As a result, the Cubs now have regained the top spot in the National League Central. Yesterday, it wasn't Josh Bell, and it wasn't any of those other big hitters. It was it was Kevin Newman with four hits. And that skips through. Moran is in. Dickerson's going to score. Kevin Newman drives in a pair. Buckos with four in the first. What an at-bat. What an at-bat for Kevin Newman. And that was delicious. Newman down the line. Gone for a home run. How about that? Tucking it inside the foul pole down the left field line. You want to go long ball, Brewers? Well, Pirates can do that, too. Kevin Newman with his sixth home run. He's never hit six home runs. Not in high school, not in college, not in the minors. Until now. That's that's unbelievable. Pirates TV on the call. Kevin Newman has never hit six home runs, ever. It's not even the all-star break, and he's got six home runs. Uh, 12 to 2, the Pirates knock off Milwaukee. I got some home run stats for you in a minute. One of them is about this next team. The Minnesota Twins last year, 2018, 162 games. They had 166 home runs. Yesterday, it was a close ball game. Marwin Gonzalez up late in the eighth. Catchers in the umpire. Wallop to the gap in right center field. This ball's hit a ton. changes the number. And the Twins lead by two. Yeah, the Twins go on to a 7-4 win over Texas. Marwin Gonzalez with a home run. So I mentioned, the Twins last year, 162 games, whole season, right? 166 home runs. This year, 88 games, 166 home runs. They have equaled their home run total for all of last year, and they've played 88 games. They're only seven games 
past the midway point of their season. And they've already equaled their home run total from last year. Speaking of home runs, Buster only sent this uh, stat out earlier today. During the 2014 season, 57 players hit 20 or more home runs. 57 players, okay? In 2019, 37 players have 20 or more homers already, and another 15 have 18 or 19 home runs. So, 15, 50, so you'll be up to 52. Uh, Could happen by today. Pretty darn amazing, the number of home runs that are being hit in Major League Baseball. I don't know if you like it. Uh, I don't know if you don't like it, but I don't know that it's going to change, at least not in the second half of the season. And we'll have to wait and see how things go for the Cubs and for the White Sox as the second half rolls around. I want to play this again for those who missed it. When we were out with Jesse, we played it at the end of Jesse because Jesse was known to have taken a cab ride with Jake Arrieta to the ballpark when uh, Jake threw one of his no-hitters. And... um Jake Arrieta was on the hill yesterday for Philadelphia, and Philadelphia was playing the Mets, and Arietta comes in side with a changeup and an 0-1 pitch, and he hits Todd Frazier. Well, Frazier had been hit before, the day before, as a matter of fact. He was not happy. Took his bat, threw it down, looking out at the mound, yelling out to Jake Arietta. After the game, Arietta had some thoughts for Todd Frazier. Give it a listen. You know, Frazier's not happy about it. He can come see me. You know, I'll put a dent in his skull. <laughs> I can't listen to that and not laugh. It's not not necessarily funny. I'm sure people are saying, well, that's not nice. Major League Baseball's going to have to do something. Well, that's Jake Arrieta for you, okay? Jake's having a rough season, and as Jesse said, he's probably not as happy as he expected to be in Philadelphia. We take a quick look at the standings. Phillies, they weren't in bad shape. They were on top for a while. Braves passed them up. Now the Nationals have passed them up. National League East, the Atlanta Braves have a six-game lead over the Nationals. The Phillies now 46-43. and 43. They're six and a half back. Then the Mets and Miami Marlins round out the National League East. In the Central, the Cubs with the win over the White Sox yesterday and the Brewers with the 12-2 loss to the Pirates. The Cubs have leapfrogged over the Brewers. They have a half-game lead over Milwaukee. Cubs are five games over 500. They have a 47-42 and record. The Brewers have played one more game. They're 47-43. and Cardinals, 44-43. and They are two back of the Cubs. Pittsburgh, two under 500, three and a half back. And the Reds are just four under 500 at 41 and 45. They're four and a half games back of the Cubs. So the entire division, one through five, separated by four and a half games. Earlier this week, all five teams were separated by three and a half games. The closest any second place team is in any of the other five divisions is six games back. The National six games back. While the entire National League Central separated by just four and a half games as we play the final game going into the All-Star break. Okay, the West. National League West, Dodgers, 14 and a half game lead over the Rockies and the Diamondbacks. Looking at the wild card really quickly. Let's see, the Nationals are 523, the Brewers are 522, 
Uh, that's what it would be right now. If, in fact, and I hate this phrase, if the season were to end today, it would be the Braves, Cubs, and Dodgers are division winners, and the Nationals and Brewers would play in the wild card game. Over to the American League, the White Sox 13 and a half back of the first place Twins in the Central. Twins have a six and a half game lead over the Indians with the Tigers and Royals at the bottom of the Central. In the American League East, I mentioned the Rays are trying to hold Hang close. They got a win yesterday, so instead of being nine and a half back, they're just seven and a half games back of the Yankees. With Boston ten back, will the Red Sox not make the playoffs this year? Huh. Toronto and Baltimore round out the East. And in the West, the Astros have a seven and a half game lead over the Oakland A's. Both the White Sox and the Cubs play the Oakland A's in the second half of the season. The A's are eight games above five hundred. They're having a really good season. And uh, they would have had a better season if Frankie Montas would have stayed away from the performance-enhancing drugs. But performance-enhancing drugs will get you an 80-game suspension, and that's what happened. So the A's are 7.5 back. Texas is 9 back. Then the Angels and the Mariners, who got off to such a hot start. So, again, if the season were to end today, you'd get Yankees, Twins, and Astros, your division winners. And your wildcard teams would be the Rays and the Indians. And the Red Sox would come up short. No playoffs for the Red Sox. There is more baseball tonight. There is no baseball tonight on ESPN because all of the major league teams are playing the afternoon because the all-star break. Players going to the all-star game, hop on the planes and go to Cleveland, getting ready for home run derby, which you'll hear tomorrow night here on ESPN 1000. And Felix, the all-star game is also on ESPN 1000, right? That on is Tuesday. Tuesday. On Tuesday night with the uh, Sox and Cubs both sending three players to the all-star game. Chris Bryant joining a couple of starters and Javi Baez and Wilson Contreras. And for the White Sox, Lucas Giolito, licking his wounds from last night's miserable outing, will go to the All-Star game. And that's very cool for a guy, again, who had a 613 ERA, the worst in baseball last year, and led the American League in walks last season. Well, you saw that, Lucas Giolito, last night with three walks in the um, fifth inning, five walks altogether. Giolito will go to the All-Star game along with James McCann, his battery mate, and Jose Abreu. There is a game, though, tonight. The Futures game coming up later on this evening. We come back, we'll talk about a couple of participants in the Futures game for Sox fans and Cub fans to keep an eye on, as that will be on the MLB Network, I think it's 6 o'clock later on tonight from Cleveland. And uh, years ago, I remember watching Eloy Jimenez hit the ball and also make a great catch down the right field line in San Diego. And I said, man, the Cubs are going to get another one. Now he's playing left field for the White Sox. We'll talk about what's going on in the Futures game tonight. You want to jump in? 312-332-3776. The USA about to win the Women's World Cup. It's just the start of a long day of soccer. And we'll talk about that. We come back also here on ESPN 1000. Chicago's Game Day with Fred Eubner on ESPN 1000 and ESPNChicago.com. Welcome back in. Wrapping things up. I'll be back tomorrow. In for Carmen and Yurko. And uh, we'll no doubt be talking more baseball and uh, get into some basketball stuff and more about the Russell Westbrook possible trade. And Cap and company will have all kinds of stuff tomorrow. I know Cap was at the uh, Sox and Cub game last night as um, he was there with his lovely wife, Mindy. Saw pictures on Twitter. So the Futures game is being played later on tonight. 
the White Sox and the Cubs both have some players there, which is cool. Uh, you can tell both teams are good and are getting good. Uh, the Sox have three guys going to the All-Star game. The Cubs have three. And both teams with two players going to the Futures All-Star game. Um, the White Sox have guys that you know. Nick Madrigal, one of their first-round picks a year or so ago, playing second base. Uh, in 25 games at Birmingham, he's hitting 392, 454 on base, and a 485 slug. And Luis Robert is also playing for the uh, future squad. He is going to be hitting third in that one for the um, for the American League squad. He's hitting third and playing center field. And uh, Rick Hahn had some things to say about. Um, let me see if I can find it. Can you see on my screen, Rick Hahn? Um, uh, no, I guess I didn't cut it. Rick Hahn talked, uh, yesterday about, um, what's going to happen with Luis Robert. And he said, well, as soon as the Futures game's over, Luis Robert will go to Charlotte. And Robert started the season in single A, then he went to Birmingham. Now he's going to be playing at Charlotte in triple A. But he said that by no means means that he will be up with the big club this year. There are many people who would like to see him come and play for the White Sox this season. That is not happening. I have uh, the cut here for you, Fred, if you okay. want to check it out. Go ahead. Following his appearance in the Futures game tomorrow, Luis Robert will be promoted to AAA Charlotte. Uh, in terms of what that means for his future or larger questions about his timeline to Chicago, uh, quite frankly, it's, it's premature to really speculate along those lines. As you've heard me say... Uh, going back to spring training, when asked about Luis and this season, uh, the two primary goals for him were really, one, get him through the season healthy, and two, ideally at age 21, you know, acclimate himself well in the uh, AA Southern League and perform well at that level. Uh, knock on wood, the first part has held true so far, and, and for the second... Uh, we feel like he uh, has done a great job so far this year, and he's, he's ready for that next challenge. But uh, in terms of his future timeline and path to Chicago, let's let's take the next logical step in his development, see how AAA goes, and, and we'll go for there. Yeah, Luis Robert in Double uh, A. He played 56 games in Birmingham, eight homers, 29 RBIs. He's a slash line 314, 362, 518. So they'll both be playing tonight in the Futures game. And for the Cubs, Adbert Alzali will be pitching for the National League squad and also Miguel Amaya, a single-A catcher that is in the Cubs system. He will be also playing in the Futures game. It will be on the MLB Network later on tonight around 6 o'clock, so you want to catch that. So congratulations. Go to the USA. The Women's World Cup final goes to the U.S. A final of 2 to nothing. So they win for the second straight World Cup and their fourth World Cup title. There's a lot more soccer today. Brazil and Peru in the Copa America final and the Gold Cup final. Right down the street at Soldier Field, the USA men's national team playing against Mexico. I have seen so many people with Mexico jerseys walking by. It'll be a sellout at Soldier Field and it'll probably be three quarters Mexico fans. So we'll see what happens. That game is on uh, FS1. Later on this evening, I think at 8 o'clock start. So lots of soccer. Maybe I'll get a chance to talk about it tomorrow when I host uh, the Carmen and Yurko show. And again, maybe not. We'll have to wait and see. Thanks a lot for listening. Thanks to Jesse Rogers for jumping on in. Um, enjoy the Sox and the Cubs today. And then it's the All-Star break. No Sox or Cubs playing for the next 
four days other than the All-Star break. Thanks to Felix Reyes for all of his help, and thanks for listening each and every Sunday. Fred Hubner with you right here on ESPN 1000.